You're listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk. got there as you can see what I've done is I've basically gone like that and I've gone like that and created a triangle shape or an A shape with the top of the A pointing in that direction why do you think that is because the, the wind because the wind's blowing from behind my back oh, yeah. yeah so any any draft's going to go into here and ignite the fire okay so the next thing I'm going to do I'm going to take some of this tinder and I'm going to buff it up even more. Really papery thin stuff. It's literally like just like paper. This. Oh yeah. You see? Yeah. Okay. So how, how did you get this to dry then? It this comes off the tree. So you... like this. Basically, the, the the birch tree sheds this bark to keep cool in the winter. Yeah. And it's full of oils, and we exploit the the fact that it's full of oils. I mean, this stuff will burn even when wet. Yeah. Right. Um. And it's we exploit the fact that it's relatively paper thin and it's full of oil and why that's good is we can use one of these things I'm sure you've seen these on television yeah. this is called a fire steel this is a, a, a larger model that we use for for, um, for um, uh, groups um, you'll see that you'll, most of most of my instructors you'll see with um, a knife and a fire steel around their neck and the reason reason for that is that the, the two most important things out in the world is a reliable cutting tool and a decent means yeah. of making fire and you can put that into a bucket of water take it out and it will still make fire for you so these work literally by creating a shower of sparks wow. onto your tinder tinder has to be dry and effectively what we're doing is striking sparks down into this tinder bundle for you some rolls and some hot water for teas and coffees and I'd like to do a safety talk with you about um, just a general area as well please so when you feel that you want to you want to tend your fire for a few minutes and then come down for a cup of tea yeah. by all means do that and once you once you've all come down then I'll start talking talk okay, okay. Yep. any questions on what I've showed you so far no, that's if you have any questions at all the whole weekend no matter how silly you think it might be ask Okay. okay, that's what we're here for. We're here to help guide and coach you. And we're basically bushcraft coaches this week. Okay. Alright, because you know a lot of these skills already. You, you, you keep this going all through the night now, the yeah, fire. We'll yeah, the night. We'll, 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 show, we'll come and share how to moderate that fire with you later. Yeah. Okay, we'll show you some techniques on how you can... Hello and welcome to another podcast from the outdoorstation.co.uk. And this weekend is a very interesting weekend. I've gone all bush. Uh, I'm bushcrafting uh, courtesy of Nomad Bushcraft uh, down in the Wiltshire area. And I've just joined, uh, right here late due to usual Friday night traffic and so on, and I've just joined a small group of people who are learning the basic bushcraft skills on a foundation course for the very first time. And Andrew, as you probably just heard, is was just taking them through the basic art of lighting a fire with a flint and steel. So um, it's a chilly evening, I'd say the least. I've got all my layers on at the moment, and I'm looking forward to uh, sitting around the fire and getting the tarp out and the bivvy and uh, enjoying some good night's banter and getting to know the people that are here on the course. So what we'll do is we'll uh, keep uh, popping back every now and again and get everybody's story and hopefully make for an enjoyable programme. The um, stars that I'm going to show you today are useful in terms of navigation and I'll 
pick up more on that tomorrow when we talk about sun compasses providing we get some sunshine okay so what I'd like to do today is I'm going to show you three constellations okay I'm going to show you the Big Dipper which you probably know what it looks like but I'll point it out to you anyway I'm going to show you another constellation called Cassiopeia and I'm going to show you a third constellation called Orion okay these are all relatively easy relatively well-known constellations and there's a specific uh, use for each of them and I'll po point that out in a minute after that point the stars that you can see up in the sky I mean, we've got a very good clear night tonight and it's lots and lots of I mean, over a thousand stars that we can see currently Carrie will show you um, through her uh, starlight scope um, the other stars that uh, you can't see which is actually quite astonishing so if I just quickly turn around away from you the first constellation that I want to show you you may have to move around the clearing just ever so slightly just to get the right start the number of stars in the in the uh, uh, constellation. The first one I want to show you is called the Big Dipper or the Plough. Okay, it's directly in front of you here. It's a collection of seven stars. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Can everybody see that? Yeah. There's a handle of the dipper, and there's the bucket end. Can everybody see that? Yeah. Does anybody not see it? And it's okay to say no. Okay. Can you see the handle here and there's the bucket end? These two stars at the end of the bucket, if you join them up and keep going and multiply the distance by approximately four, one, two, three, four, you'll hit that star there. That's Polaris. And if you're facing that star, you're facing due north. Okay? That's stellar north. I'll talk more about north tomorrow. But the for the moment that's celestial north Hello, my name is Andrew Packer. I'm from Nomad Bushcraft. Um, I'm here today with um, Carrie Packer and uh, Melissa Clout, the other instructors on the course. Um, this is the foundation course uh, that we run. This is basically the fundamentals of bushcraft. Um, we'll be covering uh, shelter building, fire making, uh, water purification, um, edible foods and traps and snares over this weekend. Um, we're in a beautiful British uh, broadleaf woodland um, in Wiltshire and the weather's turned out a lot better than it uh, said originally. It was supposed to be forecast for rain, but we've got uh, blazing sunshine this morning and uh, lots of bird songs. So we'll be looking forward to covering off lots of bushcraft activities over the next 24 hours. And it's quite a labour-intensive course, but it's quite an enjoyable one. What type of people do you find uh, coming to courses uh, these days? We get a quite, a, quite a mixture, really. You get everything from the sort of casual hiker to the sort of hardcore hunters and um, and sort of bushcraft enthusiasts. Of course, bushcraft these days is a bit more of a, uh, a hobby um, of its own, really. Um, and I suppose, really, the sort of general television programmes, Bear Grylls, Ray Mears... Um, uh, Bruce Parry, these type of people have created a kind of uh, an, a niche market or certainly a, an attraction for the outdoors and the, the sort of wilderness living skills. Um, and so you tend to find you get sort of everybody from the sort of casual armchair observer who uh, wants to try out some skills and has enjoyed what they like on television and, um, and wants to have a go. Um, people that just really want to get more um, experience and uh, understanding of different things like edible wild foods and that type of thing. Um, and people that are uh, preparing to go on overseas uh, 
tours and expeditions and walks and that type of thing. We had a, a, a group of guys um, about two years ago that went off to Canada for two weeks um, uh, kayaking around some of the lakes over there and uh, used the skills that we taught them sort of on a more, more well, on a daily basis. So that was quite nice. Um, it's that type of sort of out, the general outdoorsy person, really. I mean, it's not really specific to uh, to a particular niche group of market, but it's uh, it's a growing area and um, uh, more more and more families as well getting involved in it. Is it a case of um, people wanting more confidence sometimes and actually not knowing where to go to to, to start getting that building that confidence to make things simpler? I think what it is really is yeah, I would agree with that. I would say that it's it, a lot of it is people don't really have the confidence to sort of um, strike out on their own and they just really want the sort of safety blanket of having an instructor around um, that they can call on more as a coach than anything else um, to be able to strike out on their own I think it just builds confidence and certainly the the wilderness living skills that you that we teach will actually just you know sort of generally build your confidence over the course of a weekend or across over a four days or whatever um, and it's really the minute stuff that you can't gain from a book that um, that you learn fire management techniques, edible wild plants, and that type of thing. It's it's more about the um, the confidence building of, of knowledge about finding things out for yourself. Now, you and your instructors have done this obviously in various countries around the world and built your skills up and and so on. Is there a, an ideal country to to be doing this in, or does Eng England provide as much of a, a challenge and as much diversity as, say, Norway and or Canada? I think it depends on um, on where you are in obviously in England, but certainly there's, there's I mean, the British woodland is one of the most um, varied of environments, and certainly if you're looking to um, uh, look at things like wild foods and um, different types of wood and carving and that type of thing. It obviously creates a, a, a very different um, environment than a sort of a, a, a pine mono ecosystem or something like that. Um, we do run courses in various other bits of the world and we've done lots of lots of work uh, overseas. Um, Norway and Finland in particular um, are lovely areas to go, um, certainly if you want a little bit of snow. Um, but the UK is, you know, certainly if you were to look up at, into the sort of the highlands of Scotland and the Lake District and these sort of places, you know, more and more people are um, are being drawn to these areas because of the sort of wild beauty of it. And um, I think a, a lot of our job as, is, as instructors is kind of trying to, to, to foster that love of the countryside without the need to sort of destroy it. And I think that's, you know, that's part and parcel of what we enjoy. But... Um, Certainly, the, there is um, a growing population of people in the UK that now uh, that sort of do this sort of adventure tour holidays and uh, that type of thing. So it's sort of Africa and um, Canada and those sort of places. And it does. I mean, the skills that you learn on your own doorstep can travel with you everywhere. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of bushcraft because you know, literally, the stuff that you learn at home can be used in any type of environment. The group that we have this weekend, it was quite pleasant last night when they, they sat and uh, or stood rather and, and looked up at the night sky uh, and admitted it was probably a very, very long time since they'd, they'd had such simple pleasures. I think that's nice. I mean, it, it's always one of the the, the, um, the highlights of a course, actually, is the Star Walk. Although you wouldn't think particularly um, uh, it would be something that would hold a lot of interest, but like you say, I think a lot of, lot of people just don't necessarily take the time out to look up and... 
Um, certainly with Carrie's night, nightscape as well, you can see uh, a lot more of the stars that you can't see because of the, 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 the sort of light pollution. But I think the, the main point of that is, is to try and get everybody to slow down a little bit and try and appreciate nature, which is one of the fundamental kind of core principles of bushcraft. This is the Mora knife. It's manufactured in um, Sweden. It's uh, made out of carbon steel and it has a few features that I want to talk through that make it suitable for bushcraft use. The handle is about the same length as the blade. The point of the blade is approximately in line with the centre of the handle. It doesn't curve up this way, it doesn't curve down that way. All of these things are important in terms of geometry and in terms of actually making use of your knife. Um, it is carbon steel and the reason that it's carbon steel that you're using is sharpened with what's called a flat grind. It's basically a V-shape. If I was to take this knife and break it across the middle and we was to look down on the end of it, it would look like that. Everybody see that? Everybody understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? The pit that we were particularly interested in is the bevel edge. It's this bit here, which is called, in Swedish it's called the slip face. Okay, but it's, it's what we use to sharpen. This is fundamental to good woodworking and fundamental to good bushcraft, okay? Maintaining this particular edge. It allows us to carve wood um, perfectly well and it also allows us to take off those beautiful shavings that we need to make um, uh, feather sticks and that type of thing. So, if I sharpen my knife the way I'm going to show you, what will happen is it will ride on the surface of the blade and the tip will dig in and you'll end up with curls like a wood plane. This is a hazel, okay? Famous for the old hazelnuts or filberts or whatever you call them in your neck of the woods. But in my, my neck of the woods they're called filberts. This is um, a very good wood to use. It's, it's green, it grows in very sort of like long supple wands as we call it or uh, shoots as you might, might call it. And it's useful for making pot hangers and tent pegs and all of those type of things. It's an easy carvable wood and um, has some nice attributes that are useful for, for bushcraft. So. Um, I'm going to show you on a smaller piece of wood, then I'm going to upscale it to show you what, what, what capability can be done with a little bit of practice. So what I want you to do, so the safe way to use a bow saw is to put your hand through the bow and hold it on the opposite side. So now, even if this, this saw skips, it can't hurt me, okay? I've used a saw for years and never thought it would hurt me. Right? Right. The other thing to remember when you're using a bow saw is you need to hear the words, you need to think in terms of the sound that it makes. Okay? A lot of people will use a bow saw. I forgot my back turned to them, they'll hear this. Saw, 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 saw. And they're using a carpenter's saw that cuts in one direction. A bow saw is economy of motion. And it should be saw, 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 saw. So it's this. using the whole length of the blade and you're just going nice and slow. You won't tire yourself out so quick. Okay, so in terms of tool safety then, um, the, the tool that we most use in bushcraft is the knife. It's the, uh, the smallest tool, it's the, the tool that carries with us most times and it um, allows us to uh, 
harvest and um, uh, fashion lots of tools and things out here in the woods that we don't necessarily need to bring with us. So we can uh, we can fashion uh, tripods, or we can make pot holders, we can make um, tent pegs, and all of these things that uh, that um, uh, we might need. Of course, with that, it's a trade-off because it's a safety issue. And uh, one of the things that we take pride in on one of our on, on our foundation courses is to um, is to reinforce the uh, requirements for, for tool safety. Um, the knife being, being that uh, most people have used the knife since the age of about two or three um, and they've used it to cut food or chop up uh, lettuce and stuff like that in the kitchens. Um, the way that we use a knife in bushcraft is very very different and uh, basically um, in order to use a knife safely uh, in, as an impact tool, as a, as a, as a mini axe, as a, uh, as a carving tool, um, there are certain uh, guidelines that we we look for and that we actually reinforce and uh, we spend a good deal of, of the first day um, when we issue the students their knives actually going over these these safety these safety talks so uh, in terms of things like how to handle the knife how to hold the knife um, the knives are worn around the neck so that uh, they're constantly visible and the students reminded that they're in that, that of where the, where it is at any given time we use bright handled knives uh, as well so if the student in, in a, inadvertently drops them in the woods we can find them again um, but we go through uh, the front grip uh, on how to hold the knife safely so that you don't uh, you have safe follow through with that when any cutting that you're doing uh, we teach the the, uh, the concept of um, elastic cutting so that uh, the, the student is aware that um, a sudden slip of a uh, of a tool may cause an injury so we ask them to reinforce in their mind we ask them to think about what if I slip what would happen and by doing that it actually forces the uh, the student uh, who may think that they know how to handle a knife and they get a realization that um, actually you know what uh, sometimes I don't, you know, oh yeah I could slip there and uh, um, actually yeah no that is a better way to, to do that and I, I can see how that's safer if you split this way and uh, uh, rather than the way I was splitting it's it's much safer uh, and in, and it caused some awkwardness at start at the start because people think we're picking up on on habits but as you move through uh, and show them the skills and they start to see the benefit of those skills like the, the, they, they start to uh, be able to um, increase their tool usage they can make uh, more elaborate um, bushcraft tools quicker and easier by using the techniques that we're showing them um, it start to cotton on and actually start to get um, uh, more confident in using the blade and, and it eventually more safe the students we've got here today are obviously of the mature variety. They're not obviously young youngsters, young kids. Um, and it's quite surprising that even at a, a mature age, um, there is still something to, to learn and a, a very much a big awareness uh, that came across the group of four of us uh, as you went through some of those holding techniques. Yeah, I think um, it's again, it's 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 about sh being shown a way. I mean, we we're, we're very conscious that to to show people a way of doing something rather than the way to do something. And there's always a, a different ways of, of finding uh, techniques. But a lot of it is about oh yes, it's the oh yes factor. It's oh crikey, yeah, I understand. That's 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 a bit easier. Or, or um, uh, I've never actually ever used a, a knife like that. I doubt whether the, the normal. Um, uh, layperson has ever used a knife to split wood they would think of an axe or they might cut wood with a with a saw and by showing them different techniques on how to how to harvest wood and how to cut down um, saplings with a knife and and how to split those saplings into um, uh, into uh, um, battens that we can then uh, shave down for, for dry tinder wood and that type of stuff 
It actually just broadens their mind slightly in terms of the, the knife isn't just for cutting onto a chopping board and cu cutting carrots with. It's actually a tool um, much like a, a wood plane or a, um, uh, a splitting device or a, a mini axe that they can actually use to fashion things. My box of fire. I will show you things that obviously you have come across normally. Hopefully I might show you something that you've not seen before. Um, or you might have seen it all, so go with the flow. Everything in this box is able to make fire or sustain a fire in some way. Um, maybe not today, because some of them are based on good weather. <laughs> We're just about, just about got good weather, well, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. So let's start with what everybody knows. Matches, candles, different ways of giving you a strike ignition which creates a flame. Excellent. It's not burned with some intensity, isn't it? Oh, makes your eyes go no, back. Yeah, <laughs> All right, so these are really good. These they are used really to use them, Megan, that, uh, in, in flash bulbs, didn't they? That's right, it's yeah. the same the stuff days, as they used yeah? yeah. in flash bulbs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. same yeah. stuff. So, so for how much, you think how much you can actually scrape off of here? Leave it there, and a lot of people walk away before it actually has gone off there you go. Oh, amazing. Jesus. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say. But there you go. So that's kind of like the... the, the um... It was a one shot, I'm afraid. <laughs> who, who, who discovers this sort of thing? Oh, it's an oxidizer. <laughs> I mean, this garden. isn't something you get out of textbooks, is it? Is it something you just sit and play with all these different medicines and decide <laughs> that aspirin and something no, else I'm, work? Chemistry Put your coal into your bundle, which in this case. That's amazing. So, normally you'd have your big um, yeah. grapefruit sized piece of um, tinder, your extender, so your birch bark, your. You could actually do that in, in, a, in an old tin, couldn't you? You like could a, just with a hole have in the this completely in your hands. So you could have all of this in your hands yeah. and blow it up from here. But I'm just, for ease, if somebody wants to take that and blow it, it will go to flame. Not too much spit. By the side of your, your foot. Okay. And the reason for that is, push down harder with your left hand. Okay. Get it going and then start to push down. Once you've got it running. The last piece of fire lighting equipment out of Carrie's firebox was Fire by Friction, or the bow drill, which you may have seen on Raymere's TV programmes. Of course, we all had a go, and Danielle, her partner Jock, and Father Ron, and I just managed to get smoke. But let me tell you, it is exhausting. All of us were shattered before we got the coal to catch. It's nowhere near as easy and as quick as the experts like Ray Mears and Andrew make it appear. Oh, I can't. I can't. 
Hi, I'm Carrie Packer. Um, I guess you could call me Mrs. Bushcraft or Mrs. Nomad. Um, I've just laid a fire. I've let the uh, main wood burn down and I've got a nice embers and I'm going to make a cake because one of our gentlemen uh, is his birthday today. That's a really good idea. Is it fairly easy to make a cake uh, in these circumstances? Um, no, not really. It's a little bit of a... You can't just turn it to 180 degrees. You've got to kind of play with the fire and keep a really close eye on it. So where some of the other group have disappeared now, I've taken the opportunity to let them go and do the plant walk and I'm going to sit and watch a cake bake, basically. Um, you've just done the, the fire demonstration of all the different ways to start fire and you look like you really enjoyed that. Yeah, I do. Um, we each take a turn in different things, and I chose the firebox. I guess I'm a secret uh, pyromaniac. Yes. <laughs> um, I like the fact that there's more traditional methods and there's the more current new things going on, and I just I like the fire element of it. It's one of the main aspects of bushcraft is being able to light a fire given any circumstance, and obviously with all the different methods, you can practice everything and hopefully get it right each time. Mm. I think the most memorable one certainly there is at the, the end of the demonstration we, we all had a go at the um, fire drill or the bow drill uh, to, to create a fire and none of us could quite do it. We got to the smoke stage but we couldn't get the, uh, the glowing ember. Um, there's obviously a bit of a knack to that. Yes. Um, I have to admit, I haven't quite got that knack on my own yet. I actually have to have um, Andrew help me. I'm not very good at coordinating and balancing and doing the bow drill and the hand. Oh, it just all gets a bit much. So Andrew normally does one bit and I do the other bit and then maybe we swap in between somewhere. So yeah. I just can't do it all on my own. It takes too much puff. <laughs> but it was it was a, a great demonstration. Do you find the different sort of people you have through these courses really get a kick out of something as simple as lighting a lighting a fire with basic or basic ingredients, basic tools? Absolutely. I think because today. Not, most households don't have a fire in them anymore so it's a forgotten skill so by coming out into the woods and doing something like this some people they've never picked a saw up before or they, they maybe have forgotten how to use a knife other than using it for eating their meat and potatoes and lighting a fire not many people know how to light a fire nowadays so it's some basic skills in life but also maybe one day might save your life you never know. Indeed. Well, thank you very much today for that. And uh, well, I'll, I'll leave you to your uh, your cooking, which is going to be very creative. I can see you've got all the basic ingredients here, and you've got uh, you you've got everybody out of the way. I mean, there's smoke <laughs> coming off in, into our eyes under the tarp here. So I look forward to coming back and have a cake and a cup of tea a bit later on. You're very welcome. We'll see you in a bit. I left Carrie to magically conjure up a cake out of nothing over an open fire and joined the other students, Danielle, Jock and Ron, who were learning how to prepare a trout over an open fire for lunch. The wet weather didn't dampen our spirits or our laughter, as I slowly realised they were all here thanks to Danielle, and today was in fact Ron's actual birthday. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Ron, happy birthday to you. Fantastic. Make a wish, make a wish. I hope you clean the fish caps off that night. Can you blow the candle out and made the wish? That's the important Yay. thing. Yeah, 
Oh, that's lovely, though. We had to improvise somewhat. How have you made that, though? Well, my, it was my, my partner's birthday, and it was Christmas coming up, and I knew he had an interest in the Ray Mears programmes that are always on TV. And uh, I did a little bit of research online and found out that Ray Mears has got a website that does these outdoor adventures from the um from people who've never done it before to advanced only he was fully booked up for the next two years so i, I did a bit more research and there's there's hundreds of different companies that do it um so i found uh, the nomad bushcraft website uh had a look through all the different courses and decided to book all three of us on the introductory course so it was a complete surprise for you for the for the men folk yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was quite hard keeping it a secret because obviously we had a list of things that we had to get our sleeping bags and our camping equipment, which my, my dad already had, but myself, and my boyfriend didn't have. So yeah, I kept it a secret until Christmas and uh, yeah, surprised them. I mean, this isn't your sort of natural environment, is it? Let's put God, it that way. No, no, I'm a city girl. I, I'm normally either down the pub or eating in sushi restaurants and yeah, no, not, never thought I'd rough it. Maybe with a, a tent and all the luxurious things, but yeah, not. Not under uh, under bashes. Under these conditions, yeah. in pouring rain. In pouring rain, yeah. But you've enjoyed it though, haven't you? Absolutely loved it, yeah. It's been fantastic. Um, just learning all the skills. You know, you see it on TV and you think, oh God, I'd never be able to do that. I've never used a knife safely before, you know, out in the outdoors. Or I've never even gutted a fish and yet yeah, we've learned all that on here. I can now make, uh, I can gut a fish and, and cook it on a spit or... You know, hunt hunt food like we're just about to to find out how to do it. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Feel really, really confident now. Does it, it sort of you feel it empowers you a bit? Yeah, definitely. And it's it's nice because it's something that I, I don't think a lot of people. You know, I'm 25. Uh, that a lot of people would would do, especially if they live in the city. If you know, other people can get to try this and. Yeah, it, it improves your confidence in, in life. And I know if we got stuck on a desert island or in the woods, we'd we'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. lots of things you can do with stinging nettles. You can make right, a lovely soup. You can make a cup of tea, although it's not my favourite, I have mm. to say. Um, mm, and they're very nice. good for cordage. I know, I've tried this. It's yeah, a diuretic, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I've tried this it is. And I have to say, I think it, it tastes um, not very pleasant, actually, if you make it too strong. Yeah. Um, but it's very, very good for cordage. If you get um, the stinging nettle and pop its trunk all the way up mm. and run your fingernail down one side and open it out. You can boil it up in a lye solution uh, for a few hours, hang it to dry over a tree and it will make a really, really tough. These are pig nuts and uh, basically <laughs> what they are is um, they're a small little underground tuber that's like a, about the size of a hazelnut although sometimes they do grow to the size of a walnut. and. Um, they're called pig nuts, really, because um, I guess they used to be dug up by pigs. But they're, they're like um, they're quite a little delicacy, actually. They're, they're, they're a nice sort of. Is it something you put in a stew, or is it sort of? No, you can just eat it as it is. You could put it in a stew, but it's basically like um, the texture and nutty. Yeah, like a nut. So it's um, it is that sort of quite a descriptive. This one. Oh, I'll hang on to that one for a second, so you can see the whole plant attached on that oh, one, right. and then. They do this nasty thing though, the, 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 um, the tuber or the, the, the stem comes down under the ground and then makes a, a, a 90 degree bend to the, to the right or the left. So you have to follow the tuber down and it gets very, very quick. Shiitake mushroom. Like, like a um, barber would have used a leather strop to sharpen his razor, you can use it to sharpen your knife. You cut through it, 
Cut a section off, let's take a section off. Um, it will sharpen a knife quite effectively. And you can also cut a very thin slice and use it as a plaster. But you can't eat this. Hello, I'm Melissa. I'm one of the assistant instructors for Nomad Bushcraft. Um, I'm particularly interested in um, the plants and the nature side of things, so with an emphasis on looking at useful plants. So plants that can be eaten, used to make teas and used for other purposes such as weapons and cordage. We had an interesting day with you yesterday and uh, it was quite interesting with the other students as well. You could see uh, they just hadn't experienced wild food in, in that sort of format. So what sort of reaction do you get from people when they, they find it, they explore for it, they learn with you, uh, they dig it up and then they eat it for the first time? I think it's amazing people are really surprised that, and uh, start looking at the floor and looking around them and seeing things that they've never seen before have been around them all the time and people have moved so far away from eating things that don't come in a plastic bag from the supermarket um, that sometimes they can get quite excited about foraging for their own. Mm. Um, they get down on their hands and knees and can't stop digging. <laughs> well I noticed that yesterday we were all you know walking off and, and, and you guys were nice and slow and bringing this all back and after a period of time nobody was walking more than a foot or so without as you say staring down at their feet looking for pig nuts and so on. Yeah, it's great. I'm not sure how that will transpire to going back to their normal lives in the city, but uh, certainly hope that every time they go to the countryside they'll be yeah. looking around them at what actual plants are there and, and recognising some. Uh, we, we also did uh, we cook fish yesterday. Thank you very much indeed for, uh, for showing us how to do that. Um, that must be uh, quite a novelty for people as well. Yes, we get a lot of people who've never touched a fish and really don't want to. Um, and find it quite horrifying and then usually part way into the session they're holding up fish guts and you know playing and putting a fish eye on the end of their finger and and uh, often say that they will go home and use that technique either in the kitchen or when they're camping or barbecue I presume yeah um, on the barbecue it's perfect yeah, uh, yeah. so that's that's one which I really enjoy seeing people go from being really really revolted and uh, looking quite scared when the bag of fish arrive as you say, they've been separated from real food for a long time. Actually, getting back to dealing with it on a on a very personal basis is quite different. But what about their 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 reaction to actually eating um, food that isn't um, enhanced in any way with flavourings and sauces and so on? Because we when we've eaten very very simple, very plain food, but it's been extremely enjoyable. Do you find that's a common thing? Uh, yes, I think when we give the stew pot and the bag of uh, vegetables with the burdock and the other bits and pieces that we've collected to the students and say this is your dinner uh, they do look quite concerned and often ask about well you know seasonings and herbs and spices and things um, but usually are very surprised at how tasty it does come out. Mm. So presumably you, you, when the season's right you give them the right sort of amount of herbs that they've been collecting during the day? Yeah it's uh, always made better if, uh, at the right time of year if you can find some things to, to put in to make it taste nicer. And there's also the side that everything that you taste when you've been outdoors and you've dug it up yourself does taste slightly yes. better. <laughs> and you've also got a greater appetite, haven't you? Especially when it's been raining all day. <laughs> yes. Well, we've been, been a bit unfortunate with the weather the uh, last, uh, last 24 hours, but actually it's cheered up nicely now. So what have you got planned for us today? Uh, today we're going to do traps and snares, 
uh, to look at the, the non-vegetarian side of uh, what we can eat while we're here and some nature awareness, so looking for the signs um, of what wildlife has been through and that is the other side of trapping and snaring. So you can look at uh, who's been through, what's been happening, where to put your traps and snares. I've had a cracking birthday. I've had an excellent birthday. It's the best birthday I've had in a lot of years. And thank you to Daniel Landjock for that. Yeah. And to yourself and everybody else. But you certainly had a big smile on your face when that cake appeared. <laughs> I've got a bigger belly, though. <laughs> and what about yourself, then? What do you do? What yeah, do you think, Jock? I've, I've just loved the challenge this weekend. It's, you know, it's a Christmas present from Daniel. Something I've always wanted to do but never done. And it's just so great to come out and challenge yourself and learn new skills, meet new people, all different walks of life, and just learn things from people that you, you've seen done but never known how to do them. And, and now I can take that and probably go further and... and definitely continue this sort of thing because I've really enjoyed it and the weather's been atrocious but I can imagine doing this and the sun's great and the wind's great and the rain it's, it's just same basic no matter what the weather is mm. and I just think it's just been fantastic really enjoyed it well the weather's certainly beautiful now if it'd been like this all the time it would be well it was great fun but it just yeah. been a bit more pleasant than the, the evenings and stuff so what have we covered what sort of range of skills have we done just so people can listen to this and mm. uh, in case I miss anything off well, you, navigation uh, nighttime navigation by the stars yeah. uh, we've covered um, sun um, navigation, sun yeah. navigation, finding out uh, directions using the sun, using your watch, um, using the stick, driven into the ground, how to how to work out north and east and west. Um, how to make fire yeah. using different, different techniques. Of fire, yeah, that's been um, In emergency situations, so like if you get stuck in your car, using batteries or using the napping and your knife. Um, Cutting techniques. Yeah, the knife. Lots of, yeah, learning how to use a knife properly. So I think that's been very important because it's heavy on safety. And you know, it's, it's something that's so essential when you're out here, and it's also something that can really do you a lot of damage. It's, it's you know, you've got to learn how to use it properly. Um, and I think that's taught really well here, actually. I mean, I use knives in my job, but you know, to come out and, and use knives in the woods, totally different. You know, I I can carve wood up and things at, at work, but it's it's different when you're out. You know, when you're trying to do it to live and survive and mm and to cook and stuff like that and I just, I just think it's great and the tracking I thought that was really important today because you know you can walk through a wood and not see any of that and and today just tiny little you know things that are pointed out to you which are blatantly obvious to them but so million miles away from what you know about tracking animals and I just think that's really good it's do a think, shame we didn't see more do you think as a pastime it's it's sort of um re-emphasise just how important slowing down is and stop yeah. rushing through life Absolutely. and, and, and Absolutely, all that sort of thing yeah. That's one of the, the great things I find because most of my weekends seem to be very routine and the fact that there wasn't a routine this weekend I was yeah. able to slow down, not have to rush anywhere, not have to be at a particular place at, at a particular time and I, I found that the time has absolutely slowed down to a, a snail's pace for me and it's been more like a week rather than three days. Mm. So not I've been, just because what we've learnt but yeah, yeah. But for the yeah, company just, and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, and the, no money passed through anyone's yeah, hands. It's all just right. been living off the land. Oh, I think people should come in and or look at the internet and find out about a place like this and just like, say to themselves, when was the last time you built a fire? And if it was moons ago, come on something like this just to refresh what it's like to get out in the open, make your own fire, cook your own food, and it's just, it's just great. 
you know, everyone thinks they can make a fire, but it's just the different techniques that we've learned this weekend. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, what would you what would you say to people like yourself that perhaps wouldn't necessarily think of this as being an entertaining weekend to convince them? Just just get a good 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 group of friends together, or you know, go with your girlfriend, go with with family, just go and and just experience this sort of thing. I just think it's fantastic. I mean, we've had abysmal conditions this weekend, and none of our spirits have been dampened by the weather, and we've had a good laugh. We've learned a lot about each other, and. We've exchanged numbers and email addresses, so I, I just think you've got to come out and try these sort of things. And it's not a boy's You're missing thing. out. It's not a boy's thing. No, it's so, it's so not. I mean, there's three instructors, two of them are female, so yeah. and th- and they're off now to somewhere else to go to, to go um, animal hunting, uh, watching everyone yeah. tracking. So, you know, it's important that you get out and carry on doing it. I just think it's. I'm definitely doing this again. You know, take the next level it's good now. Fun. It's great fun. It's also great to know that you can actually su- survive from the land, and there's certain things just under your fingertips. With a little bit of digging, you can actually survive. You can eat uh, certain plants, you can eat certain nuts that are, are found underneath, but just underneath the soil at, at fingertip depth. And the fact that you can learn uh, the properties of different woods, you can make implements, you can make shelter. It's just great. You know, a totally different experience than, than what I think we're all used to. You know, yeah. take, you take a lot of it all yeah. for granted, don't you? I thought pig nuts is what you use in sausages until until <laughs> yesterday. You know, it's just, it's, things like that. It's just like, well, what, how do you, who knows to dig down there to find this thing that you can eat? You know, it's, and how do you know what you can and can't eat? But it's just all about practice and experience. I loved it. Well, yeah. guys, it's been a pleasure meeting you. Thank you very much indeed for your time yeah. and sharing your time with you me. Too. And I look forward to, if I don't see you before, I'll see you definitely at the Wilderness Gathering. Yeah. Yep. Okay but, then, Bob. Thank you. Bob thank the gadget. You. Bob the gadget. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks, thank Bob. you. All the best. Well, Andrew, I'd like to thank you for a very pleasant weekend. It's been great company with the uh, with the other students, and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And and as they've already said, it really does bring home to you just how much time we've lost doing things that aren't that important. Whereas the pleasure of learning and and learning and relearning old skills has been great. Absolutely. I mean, uh, none of the gear that um, and, and none of the bits and bobs that you've actually worked with over the last couple of, um, of, of days is really anything to. Uh, out of the ordinary um you've not really spent much time on gadgets and that type of stuff it's just really what you you um, you already know and, and knowledge is the best sort of um, uh, resource that you can bring out here um you don't want to weigh yourself down with loads of ex- uh, bits and bobs and you don't actually need and um i think uh, a lot of people really just look, reflect on the, the the amount of time that it takes to do something you know time that it takes to light a fire and i mean you know, yeah uh Making a cup of tea—that's that's an hour and a half job. You know, you've got to find the wood, you've got to make the fire, you've got to uh, find the water, boil the water, find the uh, the ingredients for your tea, and, uh, and then sit down and enjoy it. And um, that isn't a three-minute flick the kettle on, you know. Mm. And uh, and that's, I guess, really where some of the more lightweight gear really um, lends itself to bushcraft in a very help, very positive way. Some of the new six stoves and um, uh, the tarps that. Um, that the uh, lightweight backpackers uh, have give a kind of an edge that allows us to spend minimal impact, maximum time in the woods, enjoying the woods for what they are, rather than sort of laboriously mm. keeping the, the the kettle running all the time. You know. Well, we've certainly had a few conversations over the over the campfire, all of us there, and I think everybody agrees that no matter what discipline that you're sort of uh, or area of interest that, that that appeals to you, like fishing or 
or uh, kayaking or hiking or, or bushcraft or whatever the the tendency is to gather perhaps too much stuff around you which all then all of a sudden takes the fun out of it so i mean on your website you you, you promote the fact that the the best possible tool you can take with you is knowledge that's right uh, and and you know you're i think uh, extolling the virtues of of keeping a lightweight mentality when you're going out bushcrafting because as we've seen the more kit you take with you the more damage you actually create to the environment absolutely you know i mean the, the more axes and, uh, and saws that you bring and uh, and equipment that you trample backwards and forwards and load yourself down with i mean you know uh, there are sort of bushcrafters out there that come come to a site in a land rover and have all this heavyweight equipment that they they uh, they sort of unpack and stay for in the woods for a weekend and then go home go home again. They've thoroughly enjoyed themselves. But um, personally, we we like to try and, and go down the minimal impact approach. Um, lightweight equipment, um, small fires, small stoves, this type of thing. So you get the same feel and the same um, communion with nature. But you you actually are minimising your impact both from a from an, um, a moral point of view and an environmental point of view. You know, you're you're just trying to create. Enjoying enjoying the, the uh, environment by passing through it, rather than creating an impact on it uh, for for other people. For people listening to this, um, obviously, if this will raise their awareness and attention to to this, the range of courses you offer. And I know you offer a whole range of courses. Um, how many um, opportunities can they have during the year to to join you? Obviously, you've got the website and so on. Yeah, sure. I mean, all details for our courses are on our website. But I mean, uh, effectively, we run foundation courses most through the year. Um, usually, every other month, we've got one on. Um, we also run uh, special interest bushcraft activities that we call our extender skills course, which is things like axe work and flint napping and uh, primitive skills skills, um, bow drill and fire, fire making and that type of thing. Um, and we also run uh, our Bushman course um, towards the summer and to, uh, in the back end or the early part of autumn, which is a four-day um, uh, course based on a knife, a cooking pot and a blanket. So it's real sort of um, back-to-basic stuff, again, based on the, the, the lightweight working. Um, and, of course, we do the odd um, uh, overseas expedition as well, which is taking those skills that you've learnt here um, to a different environment and uh, and enjoying that as well so yeah there's plenty of opportunities and please have a look at the website you know that'd be great well i hope this podcast has given you a flavor of the type of things you can expect on a nomad bushcraft foundation course Obviously, I've only managed to present you with snippets of recordings and information, but we covered a wealth of topics and enhanced our knowledge no end. In the process, we didn't really notice the rain. My thanks to Danielle, Jock and Ron for their excellent company, and to Andrew, Carrie and Melissa for sharing their knowledge and passion on the subject of bushcraft. For more information about the wealth of courses available, have a look at the Nomad website, which is nomad-bushcraft.com. Or if you're a YouTube watcher, search for Nomad BC and watch a few video clips. This independent programme has been brought to you by the Outdoors Station.co.uk.